Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast. Brent Hubs along with Austin Price, Rob Lewis. Glad to have you along with us. Of course, the podcast brought to you by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. For more on uh, Blue Water Climate Control, check them out online at BlueWaterClimateControl.com or give them a buzz at 865-299-2290. They're going to take care of you. Whatever repair you need, they're going to do it the right way the first time with a trained technician. They're not going to upcharge you for something you don't need, but they're going to do whatever repair you do need if you need work on your HVA system. Obviously, we've had some heat. Now we're going to have a little cool, so you'll be bouncing back and forth with that unit. Uh, they do the regular maintenance schedules. You can set up for that. All kinds of, uh, of things you can do to make your home more efficient, your heating and air system more efficient, and um, less allergies in your home. All those things could be handled by our friends at Blue Water Climate Control. All right, it's the mailbag edition, guys, and uh, we'll jump right into it here. Um, as uh, we go into this Thursday, Tennessee baseball coming up a little bit later this morning, uh, trying to bounce back after what I think was just a terrible call by the umpire in the ninth inning. But uh, that's the way baseball goes, I guess, sometimes in the way sports goes. But he got that one wrong. But Tennessee has got that uh, coming up later this morning. We'll have full coverage of that. Plenty of recruiting coverage coming up as well as we get ready for um, camp season to start next Tuesday. But for now, we're going to dive into the questions. And the first one comes from Deshaun13. How does Danny White increase the athletic budget? Is it get football healthy? Or how can he get donors to open their wallets? Seems like every AD asks for more money. Well, I think it's twofold for me. Yes, every AD is asking for money because Tennessee doesn't have as much money as everybody else in the league has. Some of that's their own fault. There's no doubt about that. Um, some of that is they didn't have a, they didn't build their reserve up when life was good. They spent money and, and instead of banking some money when things were going well. Uh, but I don't think you, Rob, can go in and just increase your budget until you you increase you know your revenue coming in. And there's no doubt that football getting healthy is a huge part of that equation. And we'll see what the next TV deal looks like, regardless of what Tennessee's football record is. But to but to increase a budget you got to get football healthy because football is always going to drive the train. One, I mean, I, I don't know what Tennessee's books look like, you know, in detail, but to me, that's the easy answer. I mean, I think that's, that's the only answer. I mean, how many, I mean, I guarantee you, you know, you probably know the answer to this within a couple of thousand. What's, what are season ticket sales like, you know, not, not counting last year, go back to, to 2019 compared to, you know, 2006. Oh, I mean, you know, they had a, you know, they hit uh, a high water mark uh, with with Butch one year. They they got it back up, I guess, around seventy or so. Uh, but it's been hovering in the upper fifties, around sixty for for multiple years now. You know, you're I mean, we're, we're talking millions. I mean, oh, you yeah. might still sell, you might still sell those tickets to the public, but you're you're not getting those donations. Right. And, and, and look, I mean, it's harder to sell tickets. It's really hard to sell tickets when you're not winning. And so, yeah, you got to get, I think increasing the budget is a long-term thing. It's not something you come in and do immediately. I think you do that over time. Uh, and you think um, you, you, you know, you build that thing over time. You don't just come in and say, okay, all of a sudden we're going to spend a bunch more money. I mean, we had this in the war room last, last week and yes, the SEC has given schools Austin $23 million to help with, you know, some COVID expenses. But I mean, think about those expenses. I mean, $4 million just for testing. I mean, what, what other expenses have been made? Sanita sanitizing, um, stuff that they've had to do, their increased supplies, they've had to buy buses for travel, more hotel rooms. I mean, 
there's a ton of expenses that are just kind of hidden costs that nobody really yeah, thinks or, about or knows about. You know, I mean, how much money? How much extra money did Tennessee spend? Did the basketball team spend just that one week when instead of coming home for a couple of days, they stayed in Nashville, you know, in a nice hotel and, and had a nice nice meal, and then instead of it, you know, being in Indy for for two days, I mean, they drove and they stayed in Indy for five days from Nashville, and they were essentially in hotel. You know, you're talking about a traveling party of probably what 20, 25 people. What you throw in managers support staff. I mean, that's, you know, we're not talking millions of dollars, but that's one of those hidden expenses that Tennessee probably spent 40, 50 grand that, you know, that they normally wouldn't spend. And, I, and my point being that I think there's probably a lot of little things like that inside the well, you, department that add up. Well, when you throw in the apathy, Brent, that, you know, the, the fans have as a whole, I mean, the, you know, you said this to me this week. I mean, most of the fans are taking that wait and see approach. You know, and they're kind of trying to, you know, see what hype on them have because they've kind of went down this rabbit hole before, and they don't want to go down it again. Um, you know, with a new, another new coach, and then have to go down it again. So they're going to kind of take a wait and see approach. So, you know, I, I think you have to kind of win first. You know, win with football and try to get that. You know, show a little spark. You don't have to go out and win nine games, but you got to show a little something. You know, be competitive. You know, and. And, you know, you know, kind of get the fan base excited that way to hope to kind of get a little bit more juice as far as ticket sales, donations, all that. You know, I, my big question is, is when are Rob and Deb Lewis going to be, you know, part of that shareholder society uh, over there that Danny White tweets about? I don't see it coming. Rob, Rob Lewis, not on, he's on the fence on that one at this point. But, you know, that, and that's completely separate from growing the budget. But I, I, don't sure. think, I don't think people completely understand. And, again, this is on Tennessee, a lot of this. I mean, for, for years they gave all the money that they gave to the academic side. You know, think about that. For 20 years you're giving the academic side 8 to $10 million. Okay, well, what happens if you don't do that for 10, for 10 of those years? How much money you got in the bank? You know, and, and, and that's where the Alabamas and some of the other people in the world have a reserve of 150, 170 million dollars. And, and Tennessee sitting there with a reserve of, you know, under 10 million dollars at this point. And that's what Danny White's trying to build up. And you, you got to get some of that going before you can increase the budget. And, and again, I think increasing the budget is a, something that happens over time. That's not a year one. That's not even a year two thing, ultimately, at this point. And I, and I know we've mentioned this before, but I mean, people have probably forgotten it, but how much more money would they have ever if for the last 20 years, athletic player, athletic players on football players from out of state were put on scholarship and the athletic department played the university in state tuition as they do in a lot of programs around the SEC instead of paying out of state tuition. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that Tennessee could, you know, has spent money through the years that again, has put them in this situation and, and it's something they've been fighting for a while. And uh, you know, it's going to take time to get it up to where they, they want the budget to be. So uh, long to answer the question to the, to the question, football has got to get healthy and it's a long-term process. All right, moving on to the next one here regarding the official visits in June, how does the staff manage so many taking place in a short period of time? specifically those taking place at the same time. Does a potential lack of one-on-one -on -one time with specific coaches hurt us, or is this not a major concern with recruits? Austin, it's old school, right? Yeah, I mean, very much so. And, and you know, you factor in that, like, there are going to be kids coming in here unofficially. To me, that's where you kind of you, – you, 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 you've got to balance things. Is 
You don't want to slide a kid that comes in here unofficially, but you sure don't want to slide a kid that's in here officially. And you're going to be having them on your campus simultaneously, simultaneously at times. Um, so that's where it could get potentially dicey, not just for Tennessee, for every school. Every school will have this to deal with this. Um, as far as, you know, the official visitors, if you, let's say Tennessee goes off that number of 24 that we talked about um, the last podcast, you're looking at, I mean, how many, I mean, you're talking about, you know, a handful of guys at each position. So realistically, you know, if you, if you kind of separate them and you don't bring in all the offensive linemen on one weekend, you know, like I think Brubaker is the 11th, Addison Nichols is the following weekend. So like, it's not like Ellerby's got to choose uh, Nichols or Brubaker, like they're on separate weekends. So, um, you know, I think you can structure it that way where nobody gets neglected. Well, and listen, I mean, bringing in 15 guys on an official visit weekend, I mean, has happened plenty of times before. I mean, it's not a sure it has. complete. I, I think your point, Austin, is is more more of a valid thing you got to balance as opposed to the, just the raw number of official visitors. It's how many unofficial visitors do you have who just drop in? And, and, and you got to, hey, I want to spend some time with this guy, but you've already got your time planned out for your official visitors there. That's where you got to be, you know, you're right. You got to be careful with, with that. I think that's a bigger ta- challenge from a time management standpoint than it is just a certain number, you know, a larger number of official visitors over a, a month period of time because everybody's been around recruiting long enough to know how to manage, you know, a, a a month of, of quite a few official visits. So I don't think that's a big deal. I think the unofficial thing thrown in with the camp thing is, is a bit of the, the, the unknown for all these schools around the, uh, around the country, but they'll, they'll get plenty of one-on-one time. Nobody's going to be neglected from that standpoint, in, in, in my opinion. Um, all right, next one. What is your pr- prediction for the Vols win-loss record? I guess this stems from some stuff being thrown out there around some national things that have seen Tennessee as a, potential seven and five team. Some people have Tennessee as a five win team. Um, I don't know that we're ready to, to do the full record thing, but I mean, is seven, when you look at the schedule for both of you guys, is seven wins even remotely realistic? Is it realistic? Is that like, yeah, they can do that. Yeah, they should do that. What, what do you think when people start talking about that being the number? Well, I think seven's very much realistic, you know, but you know, five is also realistic. I think five is the basement. Like, I, I think, you know, Tennessee, uh, bare minimum will win five games. I really believe that, you know, just because I think they'll be able to put up enough points, um, you know, to, to outscore some teams. You know, even if you, let's say they go three and one in their non-conference, you know, I think they can win a couple of those South Carolina, Missouri, Vandy, Kentucky, you know, um, type games. And that's what the loss to Pittsburgh. So, like, you know, they can easily they, – they can beat Pittsburgh, win all four, then you got to win a couple to get, quote, bowl eligible. But we all know they're not going to be going to a bowl game this year. Um, you know, and then can they get another one out of that that deal? Now, the thing is, Vanderbilt's terrible, and South Carolina is not is terrible too. They And, and with the good players they did have, have, they lost, and I don't think they replenished them at all. Um, so I think Tennessee is more talented than both those teams. So, you know, yeah, I think seven's attainable. But I also think, you know, kind of five's kind of that – that bare minimum. Yeah, I think I think seven's attainable, but you better you got to run the table in the non-conference. You got to you got to beat Pittsburgh, in my estimation. I, I yeah, I mean I think the other thing too, and this goes without saying, but when you're when you look at Tennessee's roster and the lack of depth, 
to, to get to that number that they, they've got to have, they can't have injuries. They yep, cannot have a rash of injuries. They, they've, they do not need one of those types of years, um, you know, in, in order to do that um, in, in order to get there. But I think when you look at the, you know, the, the starting 22 talent. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they could to win seven games. I, I, I'm with you. I think the, I think the Pittsburgh game is, is the, is the early litmus test that kind of sets a real tone for what this thing looks like going forward. Maybe I'm wrong because yeah, putting too much it, on that game, but that's what it feels like to me. I think that Pittsburgh game is big too. And, and Rob, because if you win those first three, not that you're going to go win at Florida, or knows Tennessee's not been able to do that a whole lot over the years. But what it does do is you know you're going to beat South Alabama, and then all Tennessee's got to do is do exactly what they did a year ago, which was go three and five against the teams they were supposed to play. A&M and Auburn don't count. The teams they were supposed to play last year, they were three and five against. You do that again with the four non-conference, there's your seven. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. That's why the Pittsburgh game is is, in, is a big game. So, um, But, you know, we'll see what this team looks like. Quarterback's going to – there's so many variables right now that could change that. But I don't think somebody is being crazy if they talk about Tennessee winning six or even seven football games this fall. All right, on to the next one here. Do you think the staff has pivoted away from Anthony Brown and Jalen Lewis and turned towards Shannon Blair, depending on how he camps, of course, at DB? Do you think Tennessee has a legitimate shot with Joshua Joseph, the linebacker from Georgia? AP, have they pivoted away from Brown and Lewis? Or is Lewis and Brown uh, not pivoting towards them? I don't think they ever went hard on Anthony Brown. I think they went harder on Jalen Lewis, but I think those two kids kind of want to play together and or, you know, are, are married on the same seven-on-seven seven team. So, like, they are kind of have the, the like thinking. Um, so, I, I, I don't want to say that – you know, Brown sure didn't pivot away from Tennessee. I just don't think Tennessee's ever went real hard there. They have went harder after Jalen Lewis, um, but didn't don't seem to have much traction there. Um, and then Shannon Blair it just pulls down to camp. I don't want to say they pivoted to him. I just think that, you know, Shannon Blair's a guy that they're intrigued to see in camp and see what he can do. As for Joshua Josephs, um, yeah, I mean, Tennessee's got a, a puncher's chance there. Um, you know, I, I sure wouldn't call Tennessee the leader, but, again, they're going to get an official visit. When that happens, anything can happen. All right. Will there be a fan day in the fall? Also, will Aaron Beasley back with, be back with the football team? I do not know of a fan day. I've not heard anything, any talk of a fan day. That could certainly come about, I guess, but I've not heard any decision. Quite frankly, I've not heard it because I haven't asked that question. Austin, you may know something there. No, I don't know. I, no, I don't know anything there, but I do know that Aaron Beasley, uh, I do expect him to be back with this football team. Um I, six weeks ago, I would have told you no, but it seems like some stuff's come to light in that deal, and it looks like he's going to have a chance to be back. Yep, he's supposed to go to court later in the month of June. Towards where the does season. he play, AB? Linebacker. Yeah, he'll have a chance to, to be in the and you know in in the competition there as an outside linebacker. Um, not saying, but again, job, much like those but, other guys, he messed up a golden opportunity in the spring. I mean, you really think about it, there's not – I mean, Roman Harrison, Jeremy Banks are not any further ahead of the, the two transfers that are coming in. I mean, yeah, they were in some meetings and learned some terminology, but they didn't get enough work to put themselves ahead, and certainly neither did Aaron Beasley with the fact that he wasn't around. So that linebacker competition is going to be uh, interesting because you feel like you got kind of five newcomers, you know, when you go into, into fall camp. Um, so who, who comes out of that? Uh, will certainly be a storyline. All right, can you guys clarify what happened to Brent Samaglia? Feels like there's an unspoken reason to his drop-off in productivity last year. What's the latest there? 
Um, I think he was a little bit banged up. I think he lost his confidence, Rob. Um, maybe the COVID thing messed him up. I know that was – there was some thought he wasn't even going to participate at one point, and it's kind of all over the map there. I just – I don't think he was very focused, and when it went bad early, I think it just kind of went bad. Yeah, I don't have anything more to add than other than the details AP put in the VolQuest email newsletter last fall. <laughs> But I, we've, we've said this we, – seriously, we've said this before, man, not just us, but it's an old football analogy. I mean, put, kickers are like golfers, man. Like when you get – when you when you're putty and when you get the yips. And, uh, I mean, I it was it's, – it's because it's a kicker and it's not glamorous, it probably wasn't talked about as much. But, it, man, that's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen considering how good he was the previous year. I mean, he had one of the best years of, of any kicker in the history of this program. I mean, right up there with him and the Reves boys, pretty much. And then went to Georgia Tech. Yeah, after being in and out of the portal twice. Um, He's hanging out with Ryan Johnson down there, though. Yeah, you know, he just – I mean, I don't know what happened. I don't have any great secrets other than I know he was a little banged up at one point and then um, lost his technique, lost his form, and and did did not have any consistency at all. Um, all right, Pine Mountain Ball wants to know how many starters for the first game didn't participate in Tennessee spring practice. Man, I don't know. I've not examined the roster enough to, you know, and, and it's changed so much. I mean, there are guys that, you know, may not have been here, you know, at all that, that start in the fall. And then there are guys that, you know, uh, I mean, if you really look at it secondary wise, I have a tough time believing either one of the new two, either one of the new guys you know, starts game one. I, I would think that would probably be Warren Burrell and Alante Taylor. Um, you know, I don't think – nobody's going to start at the safety position. Linebacker, Juwan Mitchell will have a chance. Uh, I don't see um, – you know, I don't see Apache starting. Um, but and Banks didn't the go through spring, so there would be another one there. I mean, they're probably poten- – Yeah, there's one, yeah. yeah I mean, so two, but- two potentially a linebacker. Two right. potentially a linebacker. Um, and then I, I can see Caleb Tremblay. Um, starting, you know, on Tennessee's defensive front if he has a good fall camp, um, you know. But, you know, who knows? I mean, D.J. Terry may come in and, and light the world on fire. You know, I mean, I know Rodney's excited about getting him in there. So, I mean, you know, defensively, that's kind of where I'm at. Offensively, outside of potentially quarterback, I mean, everybody else kind of went through spring practice, whether it was, you know, even if it was a guy like Jimmy Holiday who had a black jersey on, he still went through parts of practice. You think Peyton has a chance to start? He does. He does. Um, but, I mean, that wide receiver group is also pretty full. So, I think he's going to have to come in and really establish himself this summer and, and early in fall camp to, to earn a starting role because Cedric Tillman's impressed the staff, Bayless Jones, Jalen Hyatt. You know, those are all guys that I would consider above Javante Peyton right now. All right. Uh, basketball question to you, Rob. Any early word on how Powell and Huntley Hatfield are doing? I mean, nothing, nothing major. I mean, they're the only two kids on campus, so it's not like they're, you know, they're getting any kind of five-on-five run or, or scrimmaging or anything. Um, I've heard both have really good attitudes, both very hard workers, both really good fits, it appears, for the program, for, for the culture. AP, uh, you mentioned numbers during the Tuesday pod, how it was like another language. Any chance at an explanation as to how they work out? Are you surprised with how aggressive they were in the portal with the pending penalties that we didn't count some of this year's class against some of those possible scholarship losses to speed up the process. I like that we have taken so many multiple year players. 
I, I honestly I can't explain the numbers. I mean, I can tr- I could try, but there's three layers to that: the 85, the 25 initials, and then the 25 you can sign in, in a given. You can put on scholarship new guys. You can put on scholarship in a calendar year, um, which is kind of where you you figure out that math equation. As for using those initials. Tennessee's not going to get punished on the initials by the NCAA, I don't believe. The punishment's going to be on the 85 number. They're going to take a number away from the 85, and I don't think Tennessee's worried about being up against the 85 in in terms of, quote, speeding up the process there. So, I, you know, I talked about that earlier in the spring, and I, I was just – I misspoke on that deal because the, the punishment's going to come from the 85, not the 25 initials, in, in my opinion. I, I think anybody would be shocked if they did – uh, anything other than, hey, you can have, you know, 10 less or 12 less or eight less or whatever the number is off of that 85 number. They're not going to take 10 initials from you that way. And um, with the transfer world and everything else, I don't see Tennessee being real tight against the 85 number, uh, you know, in the next couple of years as they build this roster up. Um, I, I'm with you. I, I went to the poster. I do like the fact, Austin, that they've taken multi-year guys. I think I think you're going to see coaches look for that in the transfer portal. Not to say they won't take grad transfers. I know we talked a little bit about that on Tuesday. Uh, they will. By the way, the clarification on the rule of that is you can transfer and be eligible immediately as a grad transfer. That rule has not changed. So you can be a one-time transfer, say, after your freshman year um, and be eligible immediately. And then if you've, got, if you've graduated and you transfer again, you could be eligible immediately again uh, because they have not changed the, the grad transfer rule there. But I think most coaches around the country are going to want multi-year guys when you start looking at the transfer portal, unless you have a really good team and you feel like you're one spot away, you're a kicker away, you're a rush end away, something like that. I think coaches more are more likely going to look at multi-year guys than a one-year player. Yeah, I mean, why would you not? You know, again, unless you are – a championship team looking for that one particular position, as you just noted. And so if you're a team that's trying to build, you know, if you're Tennessee, like getting DJ Terry, getting, you know, uh, you know, Apache Mohan, getting, you know, these two corners, both from Auburn and or the Juco route, um, you know, all they can do is help you because they're going to have a chance to develop in your program under your coaches. All right, uh, football, in addition to Beasley, anything new with Middleton, Keaton, and Malachi Weidman at this point? I, I've not heard anything with Keaton. I think Keaton's back back in. I, I haven't heard anything about him looking to go anywhere or do anything. Middleton's been around. I think the question with Middleton is he's got to prove, you know, he's going to have to continue to prove to people or going to have to prove to people that he, he wants to, you know, he, he wants to do this thing and he wants to be committed to it. But I haven't heard anything of, of him leaving or anything like that right now. And Weidman, you know, we'll wait and see. We've talked about it, Austin. He's got to mature off the field. But I don't have anything new on those three in terms of pending news with them right now. No, agreed. You know, that Middleton, you know, I think there was a, a strong notion that Middleton and, you know, Aubrey Solomon and or, um, you know, Greg Emerson could potentially – enter the poor to do so. So, um, you know, right now, I'm not sure anybody leaves, Brent. We're almost to June. Yeah, it certainly doesn't feel like it. All right, last question here on this edition of the Mailbag Podcast, focusing on defense for now. 
Do you think that the transfers and new commitments are starting to reveal the type of athletic profile that coaches have in mind for various defensive positions in contrast to the previous staff? More length at corner, uh, more twitch in the defensive line, more coverage ability uh, at the linebacker position. Um, you know, I think, Rob, I think Tennessee always wants speed. I think, I think Tim Banks is probably, it looks like, willing to give up um, a little bit of size in some positions, if that means they can get more speed and, and more twitch. Uh, I, I think Jeremy was Jeremy Pruitt and his staff was wanting um, the twitch and the size. Um, every, every secondary guy wants length, though. I mean, that's not – Tennessee's not some, okay, we're going to change our recruiting profile at corner and we're going to take long corners. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that was very important to Derek Ansley and, and Jeremy both. I don't, th- I don't think that's a change. I do think that wh- – why you say the previous staff wanted both twitch and size, I think they would lean a little bit more towards size if they had to – you know, if they had to. I mean, I think, you know, famously, you know, Jeremy was – just kind of really frustrated or let down with the lack of size on the roster when they got here. I think that's something, you know, just getting big guys in the line of scrimmage, I think was something that he focused on. And I don't know if, you know, a, a guy like Trembley would, would be somebody that they would have wanted to take, you know, 275 pound defensive tackle. Now again, it's, you know, four man front versus three man front that, that probably changes some of your, your specs a little bit. But um, I think at linebacker and up front, they, the po- I would probably agree with the poster that it looks like, you know, adding some quick twitch, if it, even if you do give up some size, is is the direction that they're going to go. But, but Austin, I don't think it's some major, you know, seismic shift in, in what, what they're doing. I mean, obviously they want to take the, the best player they can get to fill that spot. But, I mean, I, I don't think suddenly they're going, all right, we're comfortable with a, a 210-pound defensive end um, or, or anything like that. It's just they might be willing to play with a defensive end guy um, and, and comfortable if he's less than 250 pounds, where I'm not sure that the previous staff was necessarily uh, completely comfortable with that but because of the style that Jeremy Pruitt liked to play. So, we'll, we'll agreed. I, I, I know I agree. I, I think ultimately, you know, looking at both sides of the ball, you know, the offensive linemen, like well, the whole notion was they were going to be smaller under Hypel. But you look at the guys that they're recruiting, Brubaker, Nichols, Bo Clipper, these aren't like skinny linemen. You know, I mean, these guys have some girth to them. So, I mean, like I think on the whole, the whole roster, they're going to take the guys that they just feel like, you know, not fits them, but, you know, the trust their evaluations. If they like the kid, they're going to go on him. And if he's, you know, a – 320 pound D tackle. He's a 320 pound D tackle. And if he's a 295 pound D tackle, they'll be fine with that too. And, you know, I, I just don't, I don't think they're going to pigeonhole themselves into it's got to be this type of, I think they're going to, they're going to be taking them of all shapes and sizes. Cause I think they see a value in bigger and smaller depending on how they want to play. I don't disagree with that. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast. Again, baseball coverage coming out throughout the day today. Plenty of recruiting coverage as well. We'll have the War Room uh, on Friday and more recruiting coverage throughout the weekend to get you ready for 
the reopening of football recruiting, evaluations, visits, all of those things. We'll have full coverage of that next week as it gets cranked back up. But that's going to do it for this Thursday installment of the Mailbag Podcast presented by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.